Welcome to the second of our Tachayul Nativeness and Emergent Issues podcast series, organized by the members of the ERC project named Tachayul at the UCL's Institute for Global Prosperity, IGP. I am Sertaj Sehlikoğlu, the primary investigator of this five-year project. The need to this podcast series emerged due to a number of reasons. Firstly, the members of this team, as many of you may already be familiar, are often native scholars who have expertise about the very geographies they have grown up in. The project is carried in 11 different countries in Eastern Europe, Middle East, and South Asia, often referred to as the Global South. That being said, those very contexts are more vulnerable to global changes and crisis, as we have seen in the flood catastrophe in Pakistan, a result of the global warming, which is the topic of today's conversation. Thus, the members of this team have suggested to create a platform where we can address the emergent issues as they happen with other scholars, intellectuals, and activists. Today, we are under the lead of our team member, Dr. Sunin Kalia, hosting Kuratulan Bakhtari, Balachan Khoso, Ali Anwar Qureishi, Habib Mazari, and Mahvish Chaudhry. Without further ado, I'm turning to Dr. Sunin Kalia. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sartaj. And thank you for the guests for joining us. It is an important and a very timely discussion that we need to have. Um, the floods, they have already uh, seem to have been forgotten. In September this year, Pakistan was hit by extreme flooding, and this was happening due to the rapidly melting glaciers and heavy rains. Pakistan is home to the highest number of glaciers outside of the polar regions. And uh, after this flooding, nine, 95,000 square meters of land was submerged underwater, and 33 million people were directly affected. And as the flood water stands, food and health crisis are expanding. Inflation is rising. In August only, inflation was 27%. Diseases are spreading, such as malaria, dengue, dairy, and uh, people are having a huge difficulty in the relief and rescue and also the rehabilitation of the people who have been affected by the flood. Um, green infrastructures such as bridges, road networks, and dams have been destroyed, which will require many resources to build. It seems that the Pakistan, Pakistani people are drowning and the world is watching. As the world gets back to normal after two years of COVID, we seem to be forgetting that uh, these kind of crises are caused by human activity. Instead, there is an apathy towards the impending climate-induced crisis, not only among the policymakers, but also the people. According to the Food and Agricultural Organization, out of the 124 million people worldwide who face crisis level of food insecurity, 76% are affected by climate shocks and extremes. So it's important to remember that the kind of uh, um, calamities and insecurities, especially of the food, are, are brought about by climate shocks. And these climate shocks are actually a result of human activity. More than half of the people in developing countries like Pakistan live in rural communities and their livelihoods are dependent on agriculture, a sector which is highly vulnerable to environmental conditions and climate change. Um, the rising temperatures increase the costs of agricultural production and threaten biodiversity, 
privileged lifestyles of the people in the global north produce 100 times more carbon footprint than the people of the poor countries. If these trends continue, they will leave 350 million people in extreme poverty by 2030. Climate change is leading to increasing global inequality. And despite these realities, the current global climate agenda is largely set by post-industrialized countries of the global north, which focuses on mitigation, reducing CO2 emissions, rather than adaptation, addressing the effects. So the funds that are addressed for climate uh, change or climate-related crisis are mainly uh, geared towards reducing carbon emissions, but we need funds in countries which are actually now really facing the brunt of the climate change. And countries like Pakistan, which have less than 1% of the contribution to global carbon carbon emissions, face disproportionate effect of climate change because of the geography. And these countries need support in adaptation, not mitigation. We are not producing as much. We can't mitigate. We need to adapt. Yet, the global policies emphasize building climate change resilience among developing countries, while efforts to adapt the lifestyles and policies in the developed world seem to be missing. In today's uh, discussion, we have brought together people who are, have been working in the, on the grounds, and uh, they come from different parts of Pakistan. And unlike big cities, these are the people who have been working day in and day and night for the rescue and relief and rehabilitation of the people who have been affected by, climate, by these floods. And the main aim that we have at the day with this podcast is to hear from these people the kind of challenges they face, the kind of issues they're coming across in terms of their tasks, and what needs to be done. Who is the real culprit here? How to mitigate and how to adapt to the situation and how to create resources or solutions. Perhaps it's important when we are talking about these big policy agendas to really hear these people who are active on the ground and are actually never really heard. So I will begin with my speakers. We can then hear from them what exactly they are facing on the ground. So maybe I can begin with uh, Madam Kurakhtala and Bakhtiari. Thank you so much, Amreen, and Sartaj, and all our friends here for this opportunity to share uh, my little experience that I had in Balochistan. We, uh, we focused on Balochistan. When I say we, it's the Institute for Development Studies and Practices that I'm director of. We founded it in about 22 years ago, <clears throat> based in Balochistan. And the team and the people who helped me uh, uh, into this, especially Balaj, I have to acknowledge, he's the one to introduce me into Sobatpur. And I will never forget that night uh, about a month ago when we reached Sobatpur at around uh, uh, 1 a.m. It was just going through the water. We did not know where we are going. And... Uh, our, our trucks with loaded with the relief things was just going on. Anytime I felt that we will be deep inside and we'll be washed away. But the people and this inspector who was the, there with the team, 
he walked in front of us and he said, you just follow me and I'm walking on the road. So there's a road underneath my feet that I can feel. Your tires, you can't feel it. Your tires are, are on it. I'll make sure that your tires are on it. And that was uh, brilliant. Finally, we reached a strip, a small strip. And we came to know that our truck behind has stripped off into the water that had all the uh, food and tents and everything. And I thought, that's it. We can't do it today. So we just sat with the women and children and started talking to them. They were Haris, landless, who, who work on the lands of uh, the landowners. Uh, and uh, these were women, children, men, hundreds, I think more than a hundred. On the, on the little strip that was uh, surrounded by water where, the, where they could just put their charpais and wait. But the, zili, uh, the I must appreciate the, uh, the determination and commitment of Balaj and his team and the people they got in. It was pitch dark. From where they got a tractor, they went back to the truck they unloaded it, got the stuff out, and got it to that strip. And we started once again by 3, 3 a.m. We started to distribute. And by 5, it was done. And slowly, uh, as the sun rise, we found ourselves surrounded by water. We were in the middle of water, about 8 feet deep. And this is where the people of Sobat Jafrabad uh, parts of sin, of course, but because I'm more focused on Balochistan, uh, Kachi, uh, uh, Ravi Kanal, Diramurajamali, uh, Diralayar, hundreds and thousands, thousands of these extremely skilled agriculture workers. They are professionals. The sad thing was these professional, high quality professionals were no less than beggars on the street. And they were treated like beggars. And the landowners don't know how to grow food. They don't know. It is these people who grow. They know the season. They know the crops. They are the ones who are, the, who are knowledgeable. And are pro these professional, agriculture, skilled people were reduced, nothing more than insects. Even some insects would have been better off because they have some place to go in. I am I'm lost for words how to express what I saw. And the disparity, extreme disparity, uh, ignorance and not that feel for our agriculture professionals, workers, what they, what the way they should have been supported and helped out by the land, rich landowners the rich far farmers with hundreds and thousands of acres of land, they had, they had uh, storage of food, things that were coming for the people because they happened to be the MPAs and MNAs too. They happened to be in the government. They happened to be in every powerful places. So everything is, uh, was, uh, all the aids, things that were coming but were being given to the MPNs and MPS. So it was up to them whom to give and whom not to give. 
it is still stored in their huge godowns while while the real people who made their lands uh, you know useful economically viable for them were just nowhere i realized at that time that government of pakistan has a policy which is a social net it is called social security for laborers i was wondering that these haris who work on others lands do are do they come under any labor law i don't know is there any labor law protecting them there are labor laws for all laborers in pakistan are these considered into in, as laborers what is their status do do they have any status for the first time this flood although it has destroyed so much for the first time it has also opened up lot of questions to people like us i am one of the ignorant one too who always had ready made food on the table and not knowing about the people who grow it and it was for me it was uh, it is and is still going on an eye opener to see, to be so close to these people their real stuff the real people of pakistan they know how to build their homes they know how to build their home from bamboos from mud from whatever scraps they have they ask no one any help uh, they treat themselves with the uh, the natural uh, in the natural way most of them and if they can't uh, live this quietly die without asking and anybody anything but as long as they are living and their hands and feet are working they are providing food they are providing food all the time while they themselves goes hungry they have no health health coverage they have no policy of of their work minimum wages no social security at all this is one thing that has really come uh, very strong and we are working on it we are now uh, collecting uh, we are creating profiles of haris their status and we are collecting data database our, our fellows in our university of community development and we kind of uh, we've been hearing so far and you know the the challenge is the material conditions that the decline they face it's like when she's talking about the people who are facing these 8 meters of flood and she is also and the people who are working like balaj also they are also jeopardizing their own well-being and health by being in these kind of situations and it just seems like um we we scream we talk and uh, on the ground whether it's like the inspector that she mentioned about or the haris the farmers that she talked about the people there are committed and they're doing what they're doing it seems like the, the there is a section or there's a class that does not want to hear and it's it wants to silence are you back i really we really want to hear more from you yeah what i'm trying to uh, establish here is or if it is helpful that we are now in 11 districts of balochistan uh, right from uthal uh, bila uh, and then the, in the, in the pashtun areas from uh, musaqil to to pashin and and quetta uh it's very interesting uh, where there's uh, water water and where the land is fertile 
which is uh, the five districts that I have just said, and then Bela and Uthal on the other side uh, near uh, Karachi border. These are very fertile lands. Very, uh, so they have large holdings and they have large uh, landlords also there. Um, so um, our university, University of Community Development that we have now created, we are now uh, uh, sensitizing our young people to uh, go into these areas, work with them. And they are from that area. We have enrolled about 135 young people in these five districts who are learning the skills of uh, data collection, the power of numbers, and uh, uh, they are Haris themselves also, they're children of Haris. And uh, this is uh, what is going on right now. At the same time, we are distributing now uh, seeds to these uh, 135 Haris uh, in, in these five districts. Because now I think the food, uh, giving ration and food and instant relief is, is uh, not needed that much, but uh, more to do with the livelihood. So we are in second phase now in, in uh, making homes in the winter zone. Winter zone, we have to make homes very fast because the, the snow, they get snow in December. Uh, we are busy in making uh, these one rooms for them while in this uh, uh, other uh, uh, five or six, seven, eight districts where the winters are not uh, that severe. So we are focusing on the uh, seeds uh, and we are learning the seed, this whole thing uh, because urban people like myself have no idea at all the, the dynamics of seeds and bio, uh, bio chemical and all those things that goes into the land. And these Haris do understand that how chemicals is destroying their lands, but the, but the big landlords want three times uh, yields, do whatever, put more and more of fertilizer because they want more out of the lands. So we have selected uh, Haris uh, who, ha who also have their own one acre or two acres of land of their own, where they, they are masters themselves. But they cannot, they have to work on other fields also to, uh, to uh, you know, it's to, they can't survive on this land. So uh, we are going into organic farming with them. In, in fact, they know it all very well. They know it that it is so important, but it, it is expensive. The, the seeds are expensive. Uh, uh, the biofertilizer is expensive. So it's a whole thing that uh, we are jointly going into it. Uh, the, each family is being profiled by uh, students on their social, economic, health conditions, children is schooling, uh, everything that is related to a decent livelihood and living. So uh, at that at this point, it's, uh, this is what we are uh, training them in, and uh, as they are going to uh, get seeds, they will also be be uh, you know working on how important it is the world should know about them, how important it is that they should be counted uh, as human, as as families, as children and women, they should be counted. So this is something we are engaged in at this point. And I'm so thankful again to Balach, who really was a source to take us so deep inside the situations. 
another thing that has is very disturbing is the health condition of women and children is appalling it is just unbearable to see that and uh, we have a community midwife program where we are trying our best to get our midwives into into uh, reproductive support of to the women and children but that's very limited a, a large scale uh, program is needed with at least a vision of 5 year 5 to 10 years only then a meaningful uh, i would say uh, a resistance to future calamities uh, we can uh, ensure otherwise it will just be a it's happening we are rushing in crisis as soon as uh, there's a breathing space and things die down we are back to our normal routine and every two years we are rushing again so that's that's uh, no way to to address this uh, human crisis it's a huge human crisis in pakistan especially balochistan balochistan was hit the first by the floods by the way mid august rest of the pakistan came, uh, came to know when sindh and balochistan got hit only then they wake up nobody was talking about balochistan it was 15th or 6, 16th of august when every, the flash floods came and uh, suddenly uh, it was all uh, all communication was broken but there was no news at all uh, so you can understand uh, the relationship of this province with development of the country so the people survival their rights whatever you can say well thank you thank you very much ma'am i'm going to have a lot more questions from you because there are some things that i really we need to know about the role of the local government over there and all the other civil society but yes we will come to this discussion especially again we to raise points about the policy how these policies need to be more long term and you know based on really a certain targeted population such as women and children and how it has it evolved over time but maybe we can now move to ali ali from janshuru and uh, he's um working in the sindh area and uh, let us hear about the situation in sindh and uh, how it is now and what kind of challenges are you facing and what is the situation of especially the women and children in those areas hello uh, my name is ali anwar as samin told you and uh, i belong to district dadu basically currently i'm residing in district jamshuro which was basically uh, a few years back it, the jamshuro district was also in the district dadu but in 2017 census they you know uh, changed the localities and uh, district dadu was a uh, biggest uh, district in sindh but then they changed it so uh, right now district dadu basically is a uh, uh, its population is 2 million uh, and uh, according to the pakistan disaster management uh, reports district dadu uh, more than 800000 people were disturbed in this flood and uh, you can well imagine what is the percentage of the flood affected people 800000 out of 2 million you can well imagine is more than 40% thing so um, i uh, when i uh, basically i started uh, uh, this disaster uh, relief work in 2005 with uh, with few of my friends when i was i uh, just 
did my graduation from Zabest. Uh, there was there was an earthquake in 2005. You must be knowing it in uh, in Muzaffarabad, Balakot, and upper area of northern areas. And uh, that was the point when we started. Uh, we thought we all friends were sitting in front of the TV and we started crying and we said, hey, "This is a very bad situation in the uh, in that area." And we should do something like in as an individual, as friends. And uh, in the end, we went there. We were there for ten days, a group of friends, and uh, we did help there. And and then again, uh, we slept. And <laughs> in two thousand ten, we again uh, in the flood, we got activated again. And uh, Alhamdulillah, uh, um, from the panel of we we made this matrix in the welfare trust by ourselves, a group of five to six people. Friends and uh, in 2010 uh, we were helping with the flood affectees, but there is a big difference in 2010 flood, 2011 flood, 2017 flood, and now this 2022 flood is the worst uh, flood uh, I have seen in my life. But my parents, my forefathers, my grandfather must have not seen this flood, this 2022 flood, because in 2010 I literally saw. I was in the uh, different areas. Uh, we used to work like uh, go in different areas and help and reach out those people who are not being uh, reached by the other people. Like many NGOs, many uh, relief teams uh, couldn't reach there. We used to take our vehicles and go on those areas where there's nobody has already uh, reached for the help. So uh, in, in 2022, this flood is uh, has almost ruined all over the Sindh by the rain and then the flood. Uh, uh, amazingly, I will tell you uh, one more thing that uh, this global warming thing, which, you, which is the main topic of uh, our discussion, and uh, this global warming thing has affected all over the world uh, uh, in a way that in August, early August, because I'm an agriculture also, uh, I have 200 acres of land. And uh, I saw it that in, 2000, uh, in August first week, there was a drought situation in our lands. I didn't have any water. I, I started uh, our tube wells with the diesel engines and I spent plenty of uh, money on it to, you know, save my lands at that time. And uh, after 22nd of August, uh, I got the news that uh, this our, we have a Manchar Lake in uh, District Dadu, uh, District Jamshuro rather. It is in the between of District Dadu and District Jamshuro. This Manchar Lake is the world's uh, biggest natural lake, which is scattered on 500 square kilometers uh, in the area. And it's a natural lake. And whenever the flood comes, uh, it is scattered so much that whatever uh, villages and cities and areas are around the Mancha Lake uh, uh, get flooded every time, every time. But in, 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 this is the mistake by the government. In 2010 flood, they raised the level of Mancha Lake uh, 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 for, I think, five to six feet, which was very dangerous uh, at that time because my father is a, a irrigation uh, chief engineer. He's, he has retired in 2010. He, he was a, a chief engineer in irrigation and power department. So he was very much into the this this water management and all that stuff. So he told me this is what they are doing right now. They are raising the buns uh, for four to five feet. And next 
uh, if something happens, if if rain, if there's a rain or if there's a flood situation, this have five feet will ruin all the areas which were never flooded before. So um, to tell you the facts, uh, what I have been doing in uh, uh, since 2000, uh, August 2022 uh, in on 22nd of August, I started my relief work from uh, the areas around. And uh, I didn't uh, only saw District Dadu, but I also went to District uh, Mirpokhas and I also went to District Badin. Uh, started my work from there. Amazingly, in 2010 and in 2022, our District Dadu is the last area which get flooded and the water is stuck in the area. It is uh, very difficult to still, still, till date, today. Yesterday, I was there uh, for food supply in some area and i saw that, that still there are lands which are underwater and the biggest problem biggest issue they are going to face those people is that they will not be able to aggregate uh, agriculture uh, their lands and they will not be able to get wheat from them those lands are still underwater for five five feet six feet underwater and that water is not going out so uh, uh, the government should seriously think over it okay, how to get rid of this water so that these people can grow their lands so that uh, they don't uh, uh, get problem in you know uh, uh, the biggest issue is the you know food uh, if you don't get food there's a big problem so i've been working in different areas the difficulties what i have i'll be telling you about it uh, is that uh, in district dadu uh, there is a city which is called khapunathan shah uh, it's a city of uh, 265,000 uh, uh, population. Uh, sorry, 362,000 population. This uh, Kherpunathancha city was flooded in 2010 completely. City, it's a big city. And there are so many houses built there. Uh, and in 2022, this city is again flooded. And this complete area is flooded. So the point is, uh, the, now people have started thinking that uh, we should move somewhere else because every, after five years, 10 years, while getting flooded, why not to move somewhere else? Which is not the right way. I, I, I used to speak to them and tell them, you know, don't do that. Uh, the government should uh, plan how to get rid of these uh, uh, problems in future. So the uh, uh, alarming situation is in, August, I was facing drought, and in uh, September, I was flooded. Uh, I had a lot of water in my lands. So the point is, uh, this way, this way, the situations are not going to get right in, in future. Because uh, nowadays, I used to uh, hear from many people that uh, the flood will be there for till 2028, every year. So this is a very alarming situation for the people around and uh, uh, for us also uh, basically i'm uh, uh, i i went there i met people i saw their insecurity i saw their uh, uh, they were very much hurt they lost their houses uh, every person knows okay a person make their house in years like uh, poor people in our area whether it is a mud uh, you mud made houses with the uh, bamboos and all that stuff but their that house is their life right now uh, i am uh, moved to i have moved to the rehabilitation uh, program so i want to give them some shelter still 
I have seen houses. I have seen villages which were vanished from the land. I saw. Uh, I we I used to go on the boats uh, to visit different areas to reach out them and to give them some relief ration bags, whatever where we were getting from our donors. So when I when I visited those houses, those villages, hundred uh, percent mud made houses were uh, demolished. Rather, I couldn't see them on the land, and. Uh, 10 to 20 percent were left which were you know made by the uh, bricks and uh, the cemented houses so this was the situation at uh, in the uh, uh, 2022 flood so i would uh, like to tell everybody uh, and uh, i'm very thankful to you guys that you have uh, 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 gathered all the people from different areas uh, miss kuratulen was very much right that the firstly initially this Balochistan was flooded and uh, in the end uh, this flood uh, ended in Sindh. So because Sindh is the only way out for the flood water to go in the sea. So uh, 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 and still we are facing the same in, in the same situation. In the, in the worst situation we are still. People have lost their lands, people have lost their houses, people have people are very much uh, facing uh, uh, medical problems uh, even the children even the women uh, uh, i i have been trying to with the help of medicine welfare trust i did i think almost more than 15000 opds i have done in different areas in different uh, uh, talukas in different uh, villages uh, we also used boats to go there we took talk uh, took our doctors team lady doctors team on the boats to go to those villages which are still surrounded by the water and nobody's you know reaching them out so we did our medical uh, camps there and um, the biggest problems uh, which i have been uh, telling you is uh, we uh, i cannot tell you when how many years uh, it will take to these poor people to get back to the normal life I'm very much scared that uh, uh, for the coming 10 years, they will not be the same that they were at, uh, before the flood. And of course, I would like to tell you, which is a very difficult uh, for uh, me to uh, express my feeling about the government, about the uh, how they are dealing with the floods, how they are you know, planning for the further, and maybe next year the flood might hit. Uh, again, Pakistan. How? What are they doing? I'm very much depressed. I'm very much uh, uh, sorry that uh, the government is not uh, planning accordingly because they should plan accordingly for the next year floods or next year uh, situation or disasters. But they are not doing it. Uh, and uh, because uh, the point is, if if they are not able to get uh, uh, water drained out in the see up till now in those areas since two months they are in underwater so what do you think Anna? are they doing their work on their, uh... thank you very much uh thank you Alianwar. that was very um helpful but um maybe i can move to balaj now balaj is uh, 12 years of experience of working with development corporate and public sectors and uh, he has been uh, working as a coach, mentor, team builder, and he works as also a soft skills trainer. 
And uh, he has been participating and engaging in disaster management work since um, 2010 floods and then 2012 floods. And uh, it's he's been the challenging task has been to raise funds to help the families in those districts that we often not even hear about. Um, I hope Balaj can contribute and tell us the challenges that he faced and what kind of uh, situation that there is uh, in the areas still, what, what, how it was at the time when the floods hit. And uh, let's just hear from him about his overall experience of working in the disaster management since uh, 2010 plus and then 2012. And now this the current crisis that we're facing. Over to you, Balaj. Thank you very much, Dr. Samreen. I hope you all are doing great. And uh, it is such an amazing moment for me to be a part of this podcast. Let me tell you about myself. I I did my uh, graduation and I, I, I worked with different organizations. I worked with public sector, private sector. Currently, I'm working with a public sector university as a deputy director. Uh, moreover, I've worked in 2010 flood and 12. And um, on uh, during this flood, which actually came in August, and it was it was it was it was so um, scary. Um, I would like to tell you that how all this started. Uh, it was impossible for us to hear 136 hours rain, continuous rain in rural areas. We're already there. There these rice fields filled with water, water canals filled with water, and on the top of that, when you, when you see 136 hours raining, so it's devastating. People have lost their lives. People have lost their houses. They were they were looking for a dry land, just to keep themselves and their families uh, safe and secure. It was unbearable for us. Uh, we could not sleep at nights, uh, looking the situation of these people and hearing about them. And uh, when when you when you put your feet in shoes of those people who are actually suffering from such disasters, then you get to know. Then you empathize. Uh, then, then you understand the pain and agony that they're going through. So, yes, with the help of uh, many kind people like you uh, have come forward to help us. They not only sent uh, funds, they also came all the way from Karachi and different parts of the, of the country to help the flood victims. I am very much blessed and uh, I feel very uh, happy about taking a step uh, during such crucial time and putting my, my myself uh, there for all the flood victims. So we just made, we, 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 we made WhatsApp groups. We, uh, we put all our energy on the internet to ask people, to beg people for the flood victims so that at least people should not die out of hunger and thirst. Secondly, they do not die out of uh, medical situations or due to the rainfall that is continuously being happen, happening. I remember it was 22nd of August when we started our work. The operations were solely on a personal basis. And then all these people around the world, you can say from US, Canada, everywhere people came and they, they helped us. Uh, around 2.5 million rupees I, I received in 20 days. Within no time, within, without losing any, any minute, I made sure I was not available in the flood affected area that is Sobatpur and other areas because I come from Sobatpur. So they say you, you charity begins from home. So um, we started our work in Sobatpur 
uh, all the ways were blocked. The, the flood water took away all the bridges, all the canals, on the rail, all the railway systems. Uh, you cannot imagine. I've met many people and asked them that, have you seen such a rain? And um, I've not even find, found a single person who told me that they have faced such a long rain for more than 136 hours. So uh, the railroad and, and the, 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 the roads that were constructed by the Britishers uh, have been washed away. Uh, you cannot imagine because they, 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 they made such great efforts, engineering, that uh, it was impossible for any uh, disaster to take them off. But uh, they, they, they were all washed away, even the railways. So without losing any time, I was uh, uh, present in Quetta when I started the fundraising. And I made sure that uh, I should find volunteers in Sobatpur and adjoining areas so that they can reach the people who, are, uh, who, who do not have food to eat. Or when it was raining, they did not have anything on their uh, head, uh, a roof or something, so that they can save themselves from the rainwater that is coming all the way for long, long, long hours. So we made sure that we find plastic sheets. You know, this, this, the, the little plastic sheets that we had were like four by four, four meters, uh, width and length. And we made sure that we we gather as much as we can, and we can send them to these families where. Uh, there are kids and old people and, you know, uh, pregnant women so that at least they can get out of that that disaster at that moment. Because we were sure that after a week or 10 days, as soon the ways are opened, people would uh, rush to the area and they would uh, go and they would help uh, the flood victims. Though the district that uh, specifically I'm working in, my home district, it consists of uh, 240,000 people. And adjoining districts, there's this Jafrabad, Sobatpur, Nasirabad. It is the green belt of Balochistan, actually. Uh, there's agriculture land, there's rice, there's crop in there. And 99% uh, of the people uh, are actually relying on the agricultural land, which was actually washed away. So they, they were breached them and... I'm sure that uh, the, the the satisfaction that I carry with myself and my friends is that we actually made a little effort that actually changed the lives of people or actually people did not suffer a lot because we were there to help them. So this is it about the floods. I'm sure that uh, the the problem that floods and such disasters cause, it, it would be there for with their lives uh, till they're alive, you know, there are kids, there are elderly people, and they, they're getting rationed, they're getting tense, we're going in the rehabilitation uh, phase in a few weeks. But the problem that I see is that we're not working on mental health at all. Uh, we, we, we make sure that we find uh, tents, we find food, we find houses for them, we, we, we make sure that they resettle and Rehabilitate, rehabilitate themselves. But the, the most important part is the mental health that we do not focus on. Uh, there are like thousands of people who have suffered a trauma and it's so hard for someone to bring them out of the trauma. So I've been requesting people, I've been asking people to kindly help me and make me understand that how we can 
how we can help the people who are actually going through mental health issues after this disaster yeah <clears throat> it's like a vicious cycle it starts it's something that starts and it just get, kind of continues and goes on and i have going to have a lot of questions especially later on from ma'am kuratulan because there are certain issues related to the ground management and governance but i have a question uh, from ma'am kuratulan ma'am here in um I recently wrote a piece on IGP's website about this whole flood and also recently in my talk today I kind of said that uh, it's not the global north has certain responsibilities the developed countries have their responsibilities in their fair share of the climate change but I have received some criticism from the people in the global north um, both in the UK and also in Germany and they claim that it is uh, that we 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 are not in the right place to ask this kind of question in because the real dis- challenge or real failure comes from the governance of the of Pakistani governance and uh, whereas i i mean there is no denying that the uh, pakistani state has failed utterly in this kind of rehabilitation or even planning or providing support but does that exonerate the global north countries what do you think uh yeah a uh, uh, a good question and and a question which needs uh, uh more deeper deliberations but uh, whatever it is pakistani go- uh, governance is uh, is under question uh, very seriously but that does not mean the north can be uh, set free uh the portion of the responsibility of north and south has to be uh, realized and must be taken taken and accepted according to the proportion that they are responsible for it's not it should not become a game of shifting from one to the other it should be a it should be a more matured way of uh, for both sides a matured way of looking at it analyzing it because it is a human catastrophe it's not it should not be taken into account like north and south uh religious it is human and uh, and this is a time to rise above all everything who is responsible how much one is responsible one should accept it very gracefully and graciously because eventually the whole world is going to be affected not only in this north and south thing it's not going to be this way in 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 the future so uh, i think the, the message should be for both south north and south is that we have to rise into our intellectual into our uh, uh, human commitment uh, level and uh, look at things from that perspective that's number 1 but being a pakistani i of course i am responsible first for my own house my own self my own reality yes that's a primary responsibility before before pointing fingers anywhere else yes pakistani governance has failed terribly and mostly uh, uh, i would say uh, in the area of agriculture on lands it has it has really uh, has an i realize it has no policy it is just rich and powerful thing that's what it is as if there are no humans on the land 
we only talk about the crops always we always talked about how much we have uh, uh, you know grown and how much we have imported and how much wheat is there and what is there but nobody ever talked about the people who worked on it this is the first time i am looking at it we are looking at at the people on the land uh, ali is very right the sin has has got the brunt of the water because the the border of balochistan is filled up because sin is filled up this is where the water was supposed to go now why sin has filled up sin has the best agriculture drainage system created by by the britishers a drainage system which is choked and sin has the largest budget of billions of rupees for agriculture maintenance for maintenance of these drainages which are choked and blocked nobody asks questions because everybody is everybody's friend everybody is with everybody uh, they don't want to say bad things about their their next door uh, next door uh, influential person why there is no question about it that why this drainage system with the largest number of employees in sin government and irrigation you should really go into this uh, in, in uh, deeper net large after after the recruitment after the teachers after the education system or maybe the police the the largest recruitment employment is irrigation department of sind largest one of the largest budget that goes for the cleaning of the canals and the rivers the largest budget that goes in the drainage system irrigation drainage system the land they have to be drained where does all this go we are all the time people like me or in this group we are all the time put in the front as a firefighter climate is job how would or theek karo bachao but we are we never turn back who is throwing the babies in the in the in the river we have no time to turn around and look who's doing it who's who's really responsible so much money so much uh, benefits and cards and and you should see you should come and see some day our assemblies their guest houses their protocols you should see and the, on the other end these humans on the streets which are reduced to nothing no less than uh, insects or creatures it is high time now pakistan is exposed in the world the rich and powerful have lot of responsibilities they have made very good time out of of out of pakistan and pakistani people and the ordinary people and the poor people they have for for more than 70 years these people have tilled their lands with no shoes in their in their children's feet their schools dumped their schools which all everybody closes their eyes that why are these schools not functioning why the teachers are are of so poor quality especially in sindh and balochistan why everybody knows this but we all protect each other because we belong to the same uh, same uh, level of our friends and families
I, my you. heart beats to see what I saw. I I actually also would like to add a couple of things about the, the like Sumrin's contribution and her note and how Institute for Global Prosperity sees these kind of seemingly local incidents and catastrophes that are actually embedded into the very state of globality as a state, right? kind of like when we look at the the local as just local. That's a completely that signifies complete ignorance about the uh, global dynamics of their occurrence. The worst thing was that uh, Sardar and uh, Sabrin that that people responsible the uh, in, in the political and the governance. You know what they were saying? Allah ki marzi hai, ya Allah ka azab aaya hai. You people have sinned. And this is the this is due to God coming from God. You people have sinned. I mean, the poor, all poor people have sinned, and all rich and powerful have never sinned in Pakistan. This this was the statements that was said by the very people who are responsible for this. Everywhere it is put on the God. Yeah, we've been talking so far about Balochistan and the Sindh province. So I think it's now time to include Punjab into the debate. And they are coming, Habib Mazari and Mavish are coming from Punjab. Habib, they're both from the Rojhan in Mazari district in, in Punjab. And Habib is a sportsman by profession. And uh, he's been working in for flood relief since September. And he has provided food to around 6,000 house, households and help, has helped build 50 to 60 houses in the flood affected areas. And Mahvish is joining uh, Habib, and uh, she is the founder of the Al-Quran Institute, where they're based sitting right now. And she has an experience of eight years in welfare projects. And uh, she actually is working from with Al-Huda International, which is a women's religious organization, and it's uh, an Islamic reform and welfare organization. So let's hear from uh, Mahvish and Habib. Basically, I think we need to continue the same kind of conversation, asking, trying to know the level of uh, destruction that you have seen so far and the kind of difficulties that people are facing on the ground and what is the real challenge that you see. We can say Punjab is the richest and the biggest province. Maybe to a certain extent you can tell us if it's different there or if it's really the same. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, everyone. Mashallah, mashallah. I'm very much surprised to see this, that everybody is working very hard and uh, uh, desperately. Mashallah, mashallah. Our uh, uh, sister Kuratulan and Balash and uh, brother Ali Anwar, all are working very good. Well, we have started our work and we thought okay, we should do some social welfare tasks for the flood areas. But we were praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, for a person who can uh, guide us without any greed, and we can trust on him. And Alhamdulillah, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Habib Mazari was there, and he's a friend of our brother. So he said you should go with him, and he will visit all the areas. I request him to uh, took us to the areas where nobody went. Then he said, okay, once you will come, inshallah, I'll take you. He has planned everything for us. We took uh, like uh, a container, and uh, we went over there. Believe me, trust me, 
uh, I cannot explain the disaster in words. Pictures cannot explain the disaster. He used to uh, say a sentence, they went back 50 years back. And honestly, they went back 50 years back because they are not only homeless, they are not only helpless, they are not only clothless, they are not only foodless. Now, I think they are selfless even because they are wandering someone who came there and who helped them out. And uh, according to me, there are three phases of this uh, flood, uh, all the event. And that was, that was one first phase was that uh, people need rescue the lives. In the second phase, they want to uh, food and uh, tents, these type of things. And now that in third phase, in two phases, uh, NGOs go, went there and a few government employees went there people individually went there and, and helped them. But now winter came and they need shelters. Nobody is visiting. Nobody is visiting. And in Pakistan, uh, if I will say that government is doing 0% uh, work, I think everybody will be agree with me. So I don't know what to do, but we are just putting our uh, smallest effort to helping them out. And uh, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed, like uh, Sister Kuraturan said, that Balash was there. In the same manner, Mr. Uh, Brother Habib was there to guide us, to help us out. And uh, now we, uh, when, uh, when we went to uh, Rujhan, and we visit Rujhan and we ask the people for their uh, home shelter. And uh, we just uh, thinking we will build 100 homes. But honestly, thousands of people were there. Thousands of families are there. They are homeless. Then we have decided another plan. And we have said to them, okay, if we will go, uh, go to the complete home, its cost would be almost 3,50,000, more than this. Then we decided we will give them uh, like chat, a roof with TR and garter. That cost also like more than 2 lakh. Then we thought, okay, okay, you people should build muddy walls and we will give you a roof with the garter and with the bamboos. And inshallah, it would be fulfill the need right now at least. So alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, we have started work in those areas where still nobody went over there. In, uh, individually, uh, from the government, from the army, from the NGOs, nobody went there. And he took us there. Uh, the ways are very dangerous. He told us uh, it, it would be your own responsibility. We said it's okay, but took us over there. So Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, we are working. And I, I, I would say he should uh, discuss something. He will tell the, he will introduce himself. And if there would be some problem to conveying something, inshallah, I'll try to convey. Yes, please. Uh, my name is Habib Muzari. I'm from Baloch family. My biggest problem is my language. You must understand no because of you uh, people, I'm trying my hard uh, to explain you. I'm uh, doing this uh, since 1st of August. I went there, I saw people homeless. I started my work <clears throat> with 30 to 40 Russian bags. Then I came back to Multan. I put this on social media. My friends uh, from uh, Bhawalpur, Al Khair. Khidmat uh, Foundation. He asked me, go again, I'll give you 400 Russian bags. Sure. Then he helped me uh, for this. I came back, I go there. So this, I mean, he's saying that 85% uh, of the people that he got money from didn't know him. So basically, yes. and you also didn't know him, right? And you okay. basically came as a... Uh, I came from Multan. Multan. And you yes. 
and uh, this is a specific area where it's harder for women to reach. Yes. How did you manage to, as a woman, to do this kind of a task in like an area where it's particularly more conservative for women to uh, reach in? And actually. Uh really it was a, a big responsibility on his shoulder and alhamdulillah he fulfilled that he uh, take care of our security because we were not i, I was not only women over there with my uh, with me my all colleagues were there almost we were 8 to 10 women were there and uh, 12 to 15 male were there with us voluntarily the people are working with us so alhamdulillah but it was very difficult to reach over to those people and it was very difficult to tell them and to uh, give them this understanding that we are here to help you out and don't like do something like this which will harsh uh, harsh uh, uh, and which will destroy the uh, material we took for you so it it, it it was very good experience because that's why i'm saying that he's a blessing for us Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, he is with us and he took us over there. Uh, sister, uh, if if uh, you don't mind, I want to suggest something because uh, you listen all the things from uh, my three companions like Mr. Ali Anwar from Sister Kuratula and from Brother Balash. Uh, all areas are affected and the same almost uh, circumstances are there. And uh, I just want now, okay, if we people are working, like we are working, so we will work. Why not we should work together? Why not we should uh, share each other work with uh, each other and we will work like a team? Because government is not uh, responding at the moment, if I will say. And uh, NGOs are also not uh, responding at the moment. Our uh, political and uh, financial uh, circumstances in Pakistan, they are very low. I think Sister Kuratulayan will uh, agree with this. And we have to do something by our own self. So we should plan something good. Okay, all the people, thousands of families are there. All the people should get, get sheltered, at least. Well, yes. And for so that, one, one more thing, uh, he, he you know, uh, make our work easier. He bought a machine, block machine by himself. He bought a tractor. He bought the like uh, vehicles and other machineries for the uh, uh, construction of the houses. So, Alhamdulillah, he is very helping hand and in Rujhan, lots of people are, are and he, he is not a political person, he is a, just a common person over there. So I must appreciate him that he is working all the things for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the people over there without any um, greed or without any interest. That's really impressive. It seems like we hear different kinds of stories, people who are completely apathetic and self selfish and hoarding money and not caring about the people on the ground. And then on the other hand, this is also a side of Pakistan that people are trying their hard and trying to contribute in the limited capacity they have. We think that what can be done moving forward? What would be, I mean... The people are trying on the ground, coming together, helping ourselves, making teams, connecting across provinces. But is that the way forward? What would you, I, I'm asking all of you, any of you can come in. The and same ask. thing. Yes, sister, I'm as, uh, telling the same thing. I'm asking for the same thing from all of my fellows. We should make a team and we should plan and we should then move forward in our areas. Like we have decided to help 100 uh, homes, but now we have decided 300 homes. Alhamdulillah, work, work has been started. 
almost uh, 25 plus houses had been done. Alhamdulillah, one mosque has been done. Alhamdulillah. And by doing this, Mr. Mazari has said to us that uh, this is the very good time to join the people together because uh, somebody, they are, they are used to sit with their families, like three, four or eight homes are separate and they said that this is our area and this is our area. But now they all came together and on the one land, we combine them, we collect them, we said, okay, make houses over here and you will uh, uh, worship and we, you will live here together. So it is the very good chance for us to uh, combine them all together. Before we move on, I want to also make a note on, I think the notion of globality, the, the, the very era we are living in, and that's partly prompted by the questions Sumin uh, mentioned that she has received in the aftermath of a piece she has written for the Institute about the floods uh, and the catastrophe in Pakistan and its global element. So it's interesting that even for a, a kind of small piece that you have authored within an institute, an institute that's called Institute for Global Prosperity, that an institute that was founded specifically due to an understanding that there's no local issue in the world right now. Every seemingly local issue, be it a, an epidemic in Congo, be it famine in Yemen, they exist due to global dynamic, right? The kind of we are living in a different era now. And therefore, the analysis should be global, like should be taking all, each one of those global dynamics into consideration, but also because the IGP is a very very uh, solution-oriented institute, the policies and the actions should be kind of, uh, should have those global elements at the center of them. But then when you are receiving questions that are reducing as if it's just north and south, as if trying to kind of put the, 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 the load of the, or the burden of the solution into one part of the world, it suggests that the, the way we imagine globality is still very limited. We don't have a full understanding of what it means to live in a global world. We do understand when, when we are we ourselves are suffering or we are witnessing it, when we are seeing these multiple, multiple dimensions. But there is this issue of, I think, increasing the conversation. And, and one of the things I think we are kind of trying to enable in this conversation is to battle with or undo the two obstacles, which is, of course, being able to hear from, from the experts on the field. And also the, the second issue would be the issue of translation, which is, you know, as I witnessed right now, addressed. So I kind of wanted to highlight these points quite quickly before we move on to the Q&A, because I think it's going to the, the very exciting and right and touching direction. Um, um, so I'm going to shut up <laughs> right now. So built on Mavish's point, I think Balaj was going to respond and maybe Kratul was, is going to continue as well. Well, basically, my question was that so far we've been talking about the pe things people are doing on ground. But do you think this is the only way forward? What should be the ideal solution, the most effective way to move forward, keeping in mind that this is not just a problem of people who are either living in Dadu or th this district of Balochistan or that, 
but it's a global problem. Mm -hmm. What kind of global solutions would you recommend? There are global problems and there are global solutions as well. But what I think uh, that every uh, every diverse area has their own issues that I personally understand, right? There may be some universal challenges that you and me and anybody in the Africa or in the Sahara may be facing something that we all are facing the same. But there are some, you know, unique kind of challenges that we get to see in uh, every other area. When it comes to uh, disasters and the, the things that I've seen in, in two, almost in two decades, in, in 2010, 2012, and again, we're facing the same thing. I discussed this on a television show where I was invited and I told them that why would we go back and discuss the same again and again after one decade? Why do not we come up with a foolproof solution to the problems that we are facing every now and then? Why do we have to stop? Why, Why do not we progress? The problem is that we are here, especially in Pakistan, if I, if I tell you, or maybe some, somewhere globally also, people have a reactive approach towards things. We do not have a proactive uh, a thought process or planning or a strategies to come up with so that we can, we can at least minimize uh, the, the damage that a disaster or some kind of epidemic is making towards us, right? So the proactive approach and strategies should be that like-minded people who actually want to do something for the world and who, who want people not to suffer in the future. So they should sit together and derive a uniform policy to come up with in different areas. There, there may be a, a solution to the, all the problems, but every different area must have their own challenges. So we should, uh, we, we, we should rather uh, answer the solutions in their own perspective, in their own diverse way, right? So I really think that the, the, the world should at least come to bring a stop to the reactive approach that we give once, once we face a problem and then we react on it. I think when we're talking about the floods that happened in Pakistan, because that's the topic that we are discussing right here on this podcast. So uh, I think that the flood was there due to climate changes and a lot of rainfall, but there was a lot of mismanagement also. Many people have suffered due to mismanagement. If you get to know via weather updates that there's this rainfall going to take place, then why don't you, why, why can't we evacuate or why can't we find a way that uh, people should at least get little damage? The problem is that we, we, we are not thinking about that. Once something happens, you, me, people like us, we go in the field, we help them, Try, try our best to help people. But again, that's not the solution. The solution is to at least do not mismanage such natural disasters. And at least there should be an escape of how we should minimize the damage towards it. Thank you. Yeah, it's more like a proactive approach is like missing in many ways. And uh, and you're right. We don't. We need to have a more umbrella-shaped kind of a bigger policies framework. But then it has to be also sometimes structured to local needs and can be more targeted and also sometimes even temporary. I'd like to hear a little bit from Ma'am Kuratulen. Ma'am, 
I mean, keeping in mind now, as Sertat said, that we are based at the Institute of Global Prosperity. And as someone who has been working on the ground since so many years in, in kind of this development and welfare work, what do you think should be the responsibility of the global governance institutions such as the United Nations, UNHCR, World Bank, IMF, all these kinds of institutions, the big global governance infrastructure that is there in place and uh, how has it somehow responded so far in your opinion to the current crisis that is Pakistan is facing? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I think Balaj and uh, the, uh, from, our friends from Punjab has really uh, opened the subject in a very meaningful way. Talk, going back to this international institutions, World Bank, UN, you see these institutions work with, works with the government, with the national go governments. Uh, the governance of the country. They don't work with people like us or you or Balaj or people like us. So uh, they, when they work with the government, I have worked with them. I have got a lot of experience of working at that level. When they work with the one power structure works with another power structure, first thing I have observed, I, I, I am really so much in pain after what I've seen that I, I just can't put uh, my words in a sweet way of, of talking. When these both structures get together to work, whether in Pakistan or anywhere, they, their first uh, 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 priority is that uh, to show the result, the result that they think should be the result not what the people want, not what the issue is on the ground. And uh, then whole strategy and everything, the way they select the people to work on it, the way they select the consultants, the, the way they select, the way they, it all. Uh, more and more people like us, Balash will, uh, will know better, uh, who, who have been uh, in, in it from uh, all perspective, I would say in a, in a, in a combined way, from intellectual, from activism, from uh, community work, from uh, educating the government, from advising the relevant departments, from uh, advising the internationals, uh, the, the philanthropic, uh, local philanthropic, Pakistani, Karachi, international, outside the country, uh, individuals. We, we are, there's a huge group now in Pakistan, I can say, who are in the middle of all this and who are making a difference. A difference, I would not say a tangible difference or a long-lasting difference, but in the difference of relief. I would just say we are good in relief. But what to do after the relief, we don't go beyond that because then it is not, it is not left in our domain. It is taken away at a, at a different level where people like us are not there. Where shortcuts takes place, where, again, I would say in Pakistan, uh, you might think that I'm being a bit uh, too rough, but uh, believe me, in Pakistan, everything moves on friends whom you know, who's sitting where, who has what power, whether they know what their, their job or not. Thank you.
Well, <clears throat> I mean, it's all, most of it has been said, but uh, oh, as a kind of a wrap up, I would still want to say that uh, what we see is like catastrophic movement, movement that is faced in Pakistan. What we also see is the solidarity that these people are bringing together. But on the other hand, we see the ignorance as well. And I think uh, for us, it is important to learn from the people that we've heard from today, how to cope with challenges and how to work together. And also um, important to point at uh, Ma'am Kuratulan's point that uh, it's not about only disaster management, it's all about also about proactive policy making, which should include local people. In countries like Pakistan, when the national institutions are failing utterly, the global institutions need to reach out to the local people when they are trying to work and if they want to contribute. And this is what we tried to do through this podcast as well. And I hope it has achieved its purpose. Thank you. Uh, and I think Ali had one last remark to add to the conversation. Yeah, yeah I just wanted to add one more thing. Uh, like uh, Balaj was uh, telling us, it is because of the mismanagement. But uh, you must have realized that this is a problem uh, not for Pakistan, but uh, it's a global problem. There, uh, there are so many floods in the U.S. Uh, my father was there in Detroit uh, one year back, and there was a flood in Detroit. Uh, he was safe. Uh, at last, his, his car was totally drowned in the in the water. So this is not a problem. This, this, these floods are not only the problem for Pakistan. This is, this is a global problem. This climate change is affecting globally, and these floods are not in Pakistan, in U.S., and in many other countries also. So uh, if you talk about mismanagement, yes, we have mismanagement. We have problem with the government's governance. But what do you think uh, when U.S. Uh, Detroit was flooded? What do you think when there are 5,000 vehicles were droned? Was there a mismanagement? No. They are very much managed. But the problem is the climate change and the global warming. So the point, uh, uh, like uh, Samin told us, she faced a criticism from uh, different uh, people that uh, why are you criticizing US, US and uh, Europe side? If you read about the climate change and the global warming thing, which is uh, the main reason there are floods and there are droughts, there are earthquakes, there are many other uh, uh, disasters in different countries in the world, not in, in Pakistan. But the Pakistan, yes, because of uh, the mismanagement and the bad governance. One more point I wanted to add. There's one river which is called Indus River. This Indus River, all the rivers in Pakistan are merged in one river. That is Indus River, which is drained out to the sea. So uh, the, uh, the mismanagement is this. They have made three bridges on uh, the Indus River, on the Indus River. Before me, I, uh, I think 30, 40 years back, there was only one bridge in Dadu, from Dadu, which was connecting the western part of the river and the eastern part of the river. There was one bridge. And after within these 10 years, after the 2010 flood, in 2010 flood, let me correct you, there was 10, uh, a million cusic water in the river. But in this flood, 2022, in the river, the water didn't exceed 650,000 cusic. So it means in 2010, when there was 10, 000, uh, a million cusic water and it flooded us, and in 2022, when there's 650,000 cusic water and it is again flooding us, 
what is the reason behind it is the blockage it is the blockage by making these bridges on the rivers and also uh, the uh, agriculturists the landlords who are making their own uh, farmhouses bangalows in the river and they are making their own lands uh, 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 disturbing the river uh, belt so that is the main point and uh, uh, again if you are talking about global then the main point is what we are doing i was studying about after dr samreen to, told me that you have to podcast then i, I started uh, reading about the climate change what is the reason behind the climate change i was surprised to know cattle farming is one of the uh, reason uh, the climate uh, change because the cattle's uh, because the cattle farming methane gas has been emitted from the uh, and it uh, it is also going to the green gas air, uh, around the global globe and uh, it is affecting that also and other thing is you know the industries and the waste water uh, um, uh, and the gases emitted from the industries and these are also 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 the transport system so uh, when i was reading about it the only solutions i i saw on the internet were to uh, minimize the cattle farming number one which is so much here in pakistan uh, even in punjab the main uh, source of uh, income is uh, agriculture and cattle farming in punjab also and in sindh also and secondly to uh, use the electricity because uh, in in thar there is a coal which is used for producing the electricity and if you are burning the coal then again there there is a gas emission and uh, which is not going to solve the problem rather to increase the problems with the global warming so i think uh, uh, you are very right samreen you should uh, be uh, you don't worry about it about the criticism you should be again telling them that, that uh, there is a reason of uh, the gas emitted emitted from uh, the industries from the airlines from the cars from uh, the different uh, 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 reasons and uh, i think th- that should be stopped that is affecting the all over the world and uh, the countries like us we cannot bear it if it, if it there's there's a flood in detroit and us and any other uh, city uh, new york and any any other city they can handle it they can manage it we can't we are not in a situation to manage these things uh, our our country is very uh, in a difficult situation and uh, also other many other reason politically and uh, one more thing i want to add uh, balaj will second me in sindh i have seen government is trying to help people but the point is there uh, the politics political distribution of relief is uh, is the point is the main thing which is hindrance to reach out the people who are in need because uh, if if you are giving something uh, uh, the relief work or ration bag or something or through npc nns that is i think uh, not the right way to reach out to people who are poor so that, uh, these these are few things i wanted to add in thank you thank you everyone and uh, especially ma'am kuratulan balash who have been joined have joined us out of so much difficulty despite all the challenges thank you ali and thank you habib mahvish i'm very grateful to you for making the time and letting us know about what you've been doing and how difficult it has been thank you